The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski Podcast. Let's rock and roll the Tennessee Titans with a new starting quarterback. Week 7, the Los Angeles Chargers coming to town. This franchise is not good against the Chargers. They lost last year in London uh, when they went for the win with a two-point conversion at the end of the game. <clears throat> Poorly designed uh, attempt. Uh, two attempts. Um, I thought they should have taken the tie and tried to get down there offensively again. It took them a lot when they get down the end of the field. Uh, it took them a long time to get in for the touchdown. Um, and I thought, heck, they're not going to get in there in one play for the two-point conversion. They ought to. They were moving the ball pretty well with more space. They should have taken some time, gotten down there again, and given themselves multiple chances to get in again. But they did not. One of those AFC losses that killed them last year. The reason they are going with a new quarterback here, um, Mariota was very bad in Denver, but it's a body of work thing more than it is just that. When Mike Vrabel became the head coach of the Titans, Joe Rexroad did a very good job at the Athletic of going over this. He talked. Uh, he was brought in first because. The Titans failed to maximize Marcus Mariota under Mike Vray, uh, Mike Malarkey, excuse me, under Mike Malarkey, under Terry Rubisky. Uh, John Robinson used that word maximize over and over and over at the press conference where he discussed firing Malarkey. And so uh, Vrabel came in and talked about uh, the relationship that he was going to build with uh, Mariota. And he talked about, uh, the things that we're going to do together and the ways that he was going to be able to maximize him. And if you read that quote now, that breath of fresh air quote at the beginning of a new regime, which really wasn't that long ago, it sounds so long ago. Um, it's that fresh beginning quote. Um, what? 16 games plus six, 22 games later, that sounds so ancient. Um, and all that enthusiasm is gone, and that quarterback is broken. And then when Vrabel, after the season when Matt LaFleur got the job in um, Green Bay, decided to hire Arthur Smith from the existing staff, said that the continuity would serve Marcus Mariota well. And uh, we all got excited about that, that, uh, you know, despite the fact that it was yet another coordinator for Marcus Mariota, that this one would uh, not be a dramatic change for the quarterback. Uh, they could pick up on, on the good things they could find from last year, build on those again, and um, find good things. Then this week, as they talked about benching that quarterback who they failed to maximize and for whom that continuity uh, meant very little, they let the move do the talking, really. The benching of Marcus Mariota was the big statement, and their talk of him really said very little. Arthur Smith's particularly disappointing. Uh, look, I'm not asking you to line him up against a wall and fire at him by any means. That guy is a respectable uh, team player for sure. 
Um, and he's tried his best and done everything that you've asked to the best of his abilities, that his psyche's broken, that his game is broken, is on him and it's on you guys too. But I think he could have said more. Uh, Smith at his press availability on Thursday was, and I like Arthur Smith. I've known Arthur Smith for a long time. Uh, but it, his press performance, it's not a performance, but the, 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 the way he talked to the press on Thursday was not very impressive. Uh, very kind of circular, incomplete thoughts, incomplete sentences, and I thought the easiest question he had from Teron Davenport, then I followed up on it was, you know, does it, does he take it personally that, that, that the guy got benched? Not like, Oh my God, you're benching my guy personally, but like, I'm disappointed that I couldn't help Marcus produce better so that we're not in this situation. Seems like it would have been a, an easy thing to say though. I guess it's a self indictment. So kind of pleaded the fifth by not saying much tiptoeing around Vrabel did it a little bit too, though he's able obviously to spin forward and control the message a little bit more. So I guess they let the move do the talking. Um, I guess they let the move do the talking and I guess, you know, that kind of speaks for itself. And so they didn't say uh, uh, enough. They didn't say um, much. And that's kind of disconcerting, but they made the move. So I think at this stage, better to have made the move and not really say anything about it than keep rationalizing, not making the move with your words and not make the move. Vrabel said something very interesting in the very beginning in the very first answer. Now the report came out Tuesday night for me and Rappaport, uh, I confirmed it, not that it needs confirmation that they were going with Tannehill. Um, but then, of course, the first question of Rabel on Wednesday at 11 Central from Teresa Walker, who asks the first question at all these press conferences, was, you know, why? And, and Rabel said, we're trying to get a little spark. I'm trying to evaluate what we're doing and how we're functioning as an offense. Now, I've got somebody in the private Periscope group at, at paulkuharski.com who I think takes that far too far and suggests that, um, that, that Smith's now on notice and that, that Rabel is now going to evaluate Smith in a way that Smith's job's on the line. I don't see a scenario where Smith's not the coordinator through this season. And then, you know, you've got the postseason evaluations like always. But I do think that one sentence is rather telling. I'm trying to evaluate what we're doing and how we're functioning as an offense. Um, it does make it sound like, okay, now, Arthur, we're giving you a quarterback who should be able to better execute, who should be able to make some of these throws that aren't being made in the plays that we're rolling out. And if Tannehill can't make it work, then there's something broken about what we're trying to do. Uh, I, I think that's the case here. Um, and so we'll see. I expect Tannehill will be more decisive 
I expect he comes with more danger of an interception or two, but I also expect that he will complete more passes downfield pre-yak to all parts of the field, to the boundaries where Marcus Mariota was never particularly good at throwing the ball and where he's failed to, to throw the ball with any regularity. A lot of his passing yardage, and look, it all counts the same. Arthur Brown, uh, A.J. Brown has uh, done really well with yards after the catch uh, this season, um, and that's been really the heart of the, the Titans passing game when it's been at its best here, and certainly the Titans will take that with a Ryan Tannehill-led offense, but I think he's also, he'll also be able to hit some of these guys downfield in a way that will be uh, give the Titans more big flat, big plays, help them flip the field, help them build some drives. They certainly need not to uh, get the penalties that undo some of these plays. They had plays that were in the high teens that were undone by pre-snap penalties, um, and and they just can't continue to survive on that. So interesting contrast here on the other side of the ball for the Chargers, where Philip Rivers anticipatory throws have been a big subject of conversation um, from the Titans side. Uh, Mike Vrabel talked about it very early in the week. Uh, Dave McGinnis talked about it with us on the midday 180. Uh, Hutton and I had a conversation with him that, uh, that went pretty deep into this, how good Philip Rivers is at it. And then Dean Pease really capped it off uh, in his conversation with the press this week, where he ranked them as good a uh, quarterback as there is in the league now um, at throwing guys open. And he and Vrabel were both talking about some end zone tape where Rivers released the ball before a receiver was even on the screen. This is end zone tape, coaching tape, where he released the ball and the receiver hadn't even appeared on the screen yet that he was throwing it to that spot. We don't see these sorts of anticipatory throws from Mariota at all. I don't know how much we're going to see them from, from Tannehill. Those, they're just not that kind of quarterback. Um, and I think it can make him difficult to defend. Though I did talk to Kenny Vaccaro about it this week, and um, he actually said that the Titans are well-suited to defend a quarterback who plays the way Rivers plays with these anticipatory throws. Here's a little bit of that conversation. Make sure you're on body. Make sure you're covering those guys and not worrying so much about, oh, is he looking over here? Because he might be looking one way and then look to look, look the opposite side of the field and just throw the ball knowing a guy's going to be in a certain spot. So I think you really got to be disciplined. You just really got to like do your job and, and let the defense work for you. Is that a harder job, obviously, when you – no, not for me, no. No. I think it's worse when it's Patrick Mahomes and you got to defend the play after the play in between the play. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think it's worse when it's the guy's going to scramble around for a long time, receiver's going to run six different routes, and then they're going to throw it up. I think it's nicer when it's timing, to be honest. Yeah. You can make, you can, you can trust, all right, he's going to throw the ball, and I can go make this play instead of, oh, he didn't throw it, and now he throws it 70 yards downfield. It's an interesting way yeah. of looking at That's it. That's just the way I look yeah. at it. 
It's just, I think it's just you got to play with discipline, and I think that falls into our our, our kind of the way we play as a secondary. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah and you just got to stick stick with it. what you're doing, and I think that's the best. I think that's that falls into our strong suit. I'd say. Yeah, that makes being good disciplined. sense. I, I think most people aren't thinking of it that way, but that makes sense. Think about it. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing to uh, to think about. We'll have to see how that plays out. And quite frankly, the Titans get a big break um, with the Chargers suffering an injury to their receiving core. They will not see the speedy receiver, Travis Benjamin, this weekend. He's put on IR this week with a quad injury that uh, – it benefits uh, the Titans and and all the Chargers' upcoming opponents. Chargers always seem beat up um, in a way that uh, holds them back. Two two and four teams coming in here. Um, this one tense, feeling it. Two and three. Uh, I mean, three and four. You know, survivable with games against the Bucks and Carolina, beatable teams. The Titans have done well against the NFC. Um, you know, I think they'd come out of that and they'd feel okay. If they come out of this game two and five, going to be awfully tough for them to uh, convince themselves that they're still a viable team. I will say uh, Jarrell Casey, who uh, was in a great mood, as opposed to a lot of the locker room when he talked to us this week, said he sees a lot of teams who make the playoffs with four losses. Um, so he's putting a positive spin on the Titans' current record, holding out plenty of hope that they've got a lot of uh, wins ahead of them um, and can be just fine. You're listening to the Paul Kuharski Podcast. It's part of paulkuharski.com, and we are brought to you by Yazoo Brew. Uh, the fine beer made here in Middle Tennessee. They've got something for everybody. I am partial to the Hefeweizen year-round. And I suspect I will be drinking one or two of those in front of New York Yankee baseball uh, over the next couple nights. I hope it brings me joy and not pain because if they can um, take care of the Astros in the American League Championship Series, my boy and I will be going to game one of the World Series in the Bronx. But my optimism is not at an all-time high. They really blew game two. Need game four in a big way. I uh, will be watching very anxiously. Titans, um, I mentioned Jarrell Casey. He, uh, he was talking about Phillip Rivers, and he said, that Rivers is is one of the great trash talkers in the game. And Casey likes to chirp out there too, but he said that two of them have never really gotten into it and that his favorite from Rivers is when Rivers chirps with his own offensive line, uh, chirps at his own offensive line, and that that usually means that the Titans' defensive line is uh, doing rather well. So... Um, that's funny. That would make for a great mic'd up for how much the NFL would let us hear it. I don't know how much they would let us hear it, but uh, if the Titans have a good day on Sunday, it would be fun to get a chance to uh, listen to it. Uh, I've come around on Rivers from a personality standpoint. I've always liked his quarterbacking. He can seem like a jerk. Um, 
but talk more to people close to him who've covered him. And uh, I think he's one of those guys that you, not to the degree of uh, some of the, the, the classic guys, uh, Albert Hainsworth, who you love if he's on your team and you hate if he's on the other team, or particularly during his time with the Titans. But uh, a guy who's a bit like that. Casey was also saying it's it's kind of his job right now with Jeffrey Simmons to keep the rookie calm and not over anxious in terms of uh, his opportunity, which is coming to play. Um, I think there's a chance he plays Sunday. Uh, and I reported that initially when I reported last week that he would be practicing this week. Um the first week he was eligible to practice. He's coming off that ACL. I think the Titans are anxious to see him and they think that he's ready. Um, I think maybe, maybe they'll slow it down and be a little bit more cautious with him, but it's possible he plays. But uh, Casey was kind of smiling, talking about his duty uh, in keeping Simmons calm and not letting him get too amped up or over anxious while he, goes whatever pace they need him to go while the Titans look to get the num uh, their number one pick uh, from the 2019 draft in the lineup. Uh, he could certainly help make a good defense better, but the number one thing the Titans need is help on the other side of the ball, and uh, there's none of that on the horizon. It would have been nice if they had a first-round pick stashed somewhere to come in and play offensive line. Um, before I get big into the stats, I, I had one that I put out that people um, absolutely hated about the Titans having the third fewest wide receiver catches in the league because other teams at the bottom of this list have been very successful. Uh, Titans had the fourth fewest catches, ex excuse me. Other teams at the bottom of this list uh, include San Francisco and a lot of other very successful teams. I didn't dig into the weeds on this stat, but I will say uh, – I don't think most of these other teams at the bottom drafted a wide receiver fifth overall three years ago. I don't think most of them uh, spent the kind of money the Titans just spent on Adam Humphreys in the offseason and have failed to use that weapon to the degree that the Titans have. I don't think most of them just spent a second rounder on A.J. Brown, who's flashed very nicely so far. So, I think the context on that is important. Uh, and I think it's hard to argue with the idea that the Titans should be throwing more to the wide receivers based on the fact that we saw them do so well in Atlanta. We've seen AJ Brown particularly do very well with his opportunities. We haven't seen Humphreys get a full chance. We never see Corey Davis get consistent targets. Um, and I think Adam Humphrey, uh, I'm sorry, I think uh, Ryan Tannehill will help potentially solve this problem by throwing more to the wide receivers and giving us a true sense of what they can be. Um, Blake Bettingfield's written it at, uh, at the site and I tend to agree with him. Uh, it'd be nice to see the Titans actually spread out a little bit. Uh, it might help the, uh, help the offensive line uh, in pass protecting and, uh, and, you know, get these wide receivers out in some space, give them some chances. Last week, I gave you six good stats and six bad stats about the Titans. I'm not going that far. 
I've got three or four here. And the first one is um, actually from Alan Bell um, of 24-7. He's a guest on uh, one or both of the other shows on the, on the zone. Derrick Henry has had 21 rushes that have gone for negative yards. That's the most in the first six weeks of a season since former Chiefs running back Larry Johnson in 2007. Titans also lead the league with 40 punts. Uh, Brett Kern on an amazing pace. He's punting fantastically well. 40 punts through uh, six games is just uh, a ridiculous number. And it puts him on pace. I could do some quick math here. Uh, 40 divided by six equals times 16 equals that's 106.6 punts. That's a lot of punts. They'd like to slow that down. Tied into that, Henry, uh, my stat from my stat service, Henry's been stuffed 24.8% of the time. The league average is 18.7% of the time. He's been stuffed. 28 of 113 carries. That's the fourth highest stuff rate, 24.8 in the league, ahead of only uh, eligible backs. James Connor, Miles Sanders, and Joe Mixon. Derrick Henry has been uh, far better in the early part of this season than he was in the early part of last season. But because of the attention on the quarterback and the the offense overall is skated on some of this and it's not him so much as it's the early penetration against this offensive line, which just keeps providing huge problems. It went against a defensive front last week that had produced only five sacks through five games and Denver got seven sacks against the Titans alone and the parting shot stat. The Titans have 25 penalties on offense. That's the third most in the NFL. Cleveland has 28. Jacksonville has 27. And the Titans have 25 penalties on offense. Titans have 39 penalties total. That means there are 14 penalties to be split up. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact split on defense and on special teams. So 25 on offense, 14 left over between defense and special teams. It's no surprise. Uh, defense has been quite good. There are too many flags on special teams from the Titans and from the league. 25 penalties on offense. Killer, killer, killer. Got to stop. They keep talking about the things they need to fix, and they keep not fixing those things. There's a lot of cause for nerves this weekend in terms of just what Ryan Tannehill can be for the Titans. If he comes in and does well, I think a lot of people will ask why he wasn't in there sooner, which will be a fair question, but at least he will have been in there and get them to, uh, to three and four. Now, if he comes in and does not much better than Mariota or the same or – I guess it's comprehensible that he does worse. Um, well, we know what we'll be talking about next week. So I hope uh, for everybody's sake, 
terms of the team's misery and the fans' misery, that we get something better. Not going to be hard to be better than Denver. Um, I hope it's also better than Buffalo and better than Jacksonville and closer to Atlanta. Um, I don't think the Chargers are going to be any kind of pushover. And I think Phillip Rivers uh, will be, you know, a bigger challenge for the secondary than we've seen. But uh, this team has talent. It should not go out and get pushed around by the Chargers. I've managed not to say San Diego throughout this pod, and I'm very impressed with myself. I hope you have a great football weekend, whatever you're into on Saturday. I hope I have a great baseball weekend, and uh, I'll see some of you over at Nissan Stadium. We'll chat um, on the Facebook page um, after the game and, uh, and then certainly on Facebook live and periscope on monday evening at halftime if you're not a member of the site uh it's pretty inexpensive you get everything i write you get these private broadcasts you get blake bettingfield pre pre-game scouting reports post-game scouting analysis uh well worth your time and interest i urge you to check it out i appreciate your support i appreciate yazoo uh sponsor of this fine podcast Thanks very much. Don't block the box. Do lock the lock. The Paul Kaharski podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com. dot